the title of chapter three is our Western worldview problem. May you explain uh, the title of this chapter and what is the problem with the Western worldview? Well, our Western worldview, um, every worldview has its advantages and disadvantages. So um, a Western worldview is very individualistic. Um, it tends to break the whole into parts and look at the parts. And there are pluses to that. Um, it was the Western worldview that um, started divide the, the sundial, um, dividing time up into individual pieces. Um, so uh, there, there tends to be an emphasis on productivity in time um, in, in the West, whereas time is viewed more relationally in the East um, and in and other subcultures. Um, so there's certainly advantages to an individualistic view of things. Um, one of the examples would be that uh, when we read in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, an individualistic worldview on that helps me see that God loved me so much that he gave his only son. And so that's very valuable. It, it, um, that makes me feel deeply loved and treasured by God with that individualistic view. But um, more often than not, the Bible is coming from a more holistic worldview than an individualistic one. So when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he wasn't talking to me as an individual. He's talking to the whole church, um, the whole church in all of its different parts. So that's our Western worldview problem um, looks at individual parts instead of at the whole. So that's in a nutshell, some of what this chapter is talking about. Awesome. Awesome. And that leads me to the next question of, you know, how does this Western worldview problem hinder a biblical view and kingdom perspective? Well, the way that um, the way that we talk about it in the chapter is that we have a tendency to default to either or when God more often than not in the Bible is both and. So, um, one example would be in John 1.14, where it says Jesus came full of grace and truth. We struggle in the church to turn grace and truth into an either or. So there are churches that focus very heavily on grace, but they seem to be pretty light on truth. And then there's churches that focus very heavily on truth, but they seem to be pretty light on grace. And neither one of those would be following in the footsteps of Jesus. Because when it said that he came full of grace and truth, it meant both of them to the fullest expression without either one canceling the other one out. So a good biblical story of that would be the woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter eight. Um, Jesus was full of grace. The, the all truth people were there ready to say the law says she has to be condemned. And so Jesus um, says, um, well, then whichever of you is without sin, you cast the first stone. 
and um, none of them, they all recognized that they couldn't do that. So Jesus showed her grace, saved her life. But then at the end of the story, he says, go and sin no more. So he didn't soft pedal the truth. He upheld the truth that adultery is not good for anybody. So um, he's not giving a pass on adultery. But at the same time, he's saying that his grace is sufficient for all of us. So um, there's lots and lots of examples of both ands in the Bible that we have a tendency to look at as either ors. And there's even more examples of both ends in, in contemporary Christian culture. Um, as, as we've talked about in previous weeks, uh, my, my job, I like the title of unity evangelist. And so I'm all about seeing unity in the body of Christ. Most often where there's division, not always, but more often than not, it's because something that the Bible sees as a both and we've somehow managed to turn into an either or. And that's a Western worldview problem. Yeah, I, I saw that in this chapter is like, um, and I've heard that before too, um, of, of how we get that confused and how we can actually um, cancel out, you know, grace and truth and it, those being combined together. So it actually does as ministry to an individual uh, or to a congregation um and and we can miss the whole point of what what the ministry is if we do not understand if we let that worldview um block our um block our hearts you know absolutely so, yeah um how do we shift from the western worldview uh to this kingdom or biblical worldview that you talk about um how do we do that well, that's a great question. Um, I think the first step is that they always say, um, you know, the first step is identifying the problem. If we don't recognize that there's a problem, we're certainly not going to solve it. So um, in the previous book, I had written a whole chapter on this Western worldview problem as well. And so I've, uh, I've been finding myself um, talking about that a lot around Tucson. And it's interesting to hear the number of people um, around town who I hear now saying, that sounds like a both and instead of an either or. And then they'll look at me and smile. And so um, I, think, I think recognizing it, identifying it, talking about it is got to be the first step. Um, when, when there's division, we might just ask the question biblically, is this something that we ought to divide up over or is this a both and? So um, one of the huge sources of division in the Christian church in the last um, decade or two, it's less of an issue now, but 10, 15, 20 years ago, they called it the worship wars. So contemporary Christian music. And so there was a whole question of whether um, worship was supposed to be quiet and reverential or whether it was supposed to be loud and participatory. Well, there's examples of both in the Bible. So the we've we've turned we've taken something that's a both and and we've turned it into an either or. And so, um, for instance, in the church that I pastored, we we actually had three different worship services 
which had three different flavors to them, just as a way of celebrating that all of those are valid. And yet people may have a preference for one over the other, but it's okay to have a preference for one over the other. It's not okay to say, well, only the mature Christians um, see it the way I do. And there must be a maturity issue if you're seeing it differently than the way I do. That's taking a biblical both and and turning it into an either or. Um, so I think when there is division, it's worth at least asking the question, are we really dividing up over truth or are we dividing up over a personal preference issue where God doesn't have a preference for one or the other? He's in favor of both. That really comes back to that biblical literacy of a. Uh, it does. And and and, and finding our identity in Christ, because I mean, I I could see that with the next chapter, identity theft. You know, <laughs> when people they deify go together, those two chapters, it's kind of hard to yeah. separate them out and talk about one without the other because the the two chapters fit pretty closely together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but when we, we, we go back to the biblical foundation and biblical um, blueprint for what we're supposed to be doing, it's like, okay, why are we fighting? <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. is this, is this, is this a major or is it a minor that we're, yeah. we're doing? Thank you for breaking that down. That's a, uh, that's that, that, that explains a lot, you know? Um, well, there's so many examples of it. Um, so uh, healing does, does God heal by medicine or does he heal by miracles? Well, that's an either or question when the answer is both and. The answer is yes. Um, he, he heals by medicine and he heals by miracles. And there are some parts of the, the Christian church that are on the more charismatic end of things that will emphasize God's healing and miracles. The whole church believes that, but some churches will emphasize more of that. And then there's other churches that are less charismatic that would emphasize more God working through the hands of doctors and nurses and, and modern medicine. Well, God's not limited in either direction. <laughs> He's not limited by the presence of medicine as if somehow if we can explain it, Somehow that makes God less involved. Um, no, God is absolutely the bringer of healing, whether he uses human vehicles through medicine or doctors or surgery or whatever, or whether he directly intervenes and heals in a supernatural way that there's no human explanation for it yet. Just if we can explain how God works, it doesn't make it any less God. It's still God at work. But that, that would be another example where there have been whole big old church wars over taking that both and and dividing it up into an either or. And it's, it's, it's more of a problem in the West than it is in other parts of the world. Um, so uh, th this is a distinctly um, American-European type problem, not exclusively, but it's, it's a bigger problem here than it is in other parts of the world. Wow. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a relearning how we can actually get out of that. And I guess when we identify it, as you say, you know, we can actually say, oh, this is something that we're dealing with. And now we can actually uh, find other ways to, to approach how we're dealing with each other. And so yes. I, I like that. I like that. Um, 
Now you talk about groupishness versus selfishness. Um, can you give me a little more explanation on uh, the benefits of that? Uh, and I know we talked about, you know, when we talk about selfishness, we talk about the individual in the Western culture, but then also uh, groupishness. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the one of the great areas of learning for me in researching for this book was being exposed to some literature that is uh, wildly out of my uh, realm of experience. And so evolutionary psychology, I didn't even know was a thing. And so the groupishness, selfishness question is coming from some of the evolutionary psychologists writing that I read in preparation for the book. And while there's many parts of that worldview that I, uh, I don't subscribe to, I subscribe to what I would say is a more biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. um, I found some parts of it pretty interesting and, and pretty helpful. So um, the, the whole idea that um, even in, in evolution, um, you, you need a, a group understanding at some point to explain some of the ways that um, we moved from individuals to groups to whole cultures. Um, I didn't know that that was a part of evolutionary thinking and process. And so that was new information for me. And um, I, I found it pretty interesting because um, it, it fits with this whole topic that we're having that mm -hmm. you can't explain everything if you only look at individuals. Um, individuals can give you a piece of the picture, but you also have to be able to look at the whole in order to explain many things. So the, the, there's that old saying, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I think it comes into play in, in this area where, um, and of course the re whole reason that this chapter is even in this book on um, the good news of Jesus in a donkey elephant war is that we have, I think has fallen into the trap of viewing politics in an either or when it needs to be more of a both and. Um, and so that's the whole reason for the chapter. We, we need to look at the whole group, the group being Americans, not just dividing up into Republicans and Democrats and, and only looking at the either or we've got to be able to look at the whole, what's best for the country, not just what's best for the tribe. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I'm looking at that, you know, because we demonize other people if they have a, a certain belief. And, you know, as a Christian, as a person who is coming from a, a kingdom worldview, it's like, I have to keep myself from getting so involved in that one perspective that I'm no longer seeing that person as, you know, there's there's someone that God loves and there's someone that even if they are wrong on the issue, that God wants them to be uh be on the right page, you know? Yes. So you can't win a person if you're like that. Uh, I think as an Indian proverb says, uh, you can't cut off somebody's nose and then give them a rose. 
you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah i hadn't heard that but that's good i think that's exactly right i i think it's so um it's such poor strategy to think that um we're going to convince somebody to join our side by dehumanizing them and demonizing them when has that ever worked and yet that's very much where politics is is at right now it seems to me um Every single day I go to the mailbox and I get another flyer in the mail and I'm getting them now from both parties because they're, they're confused about what I am since, <laughs> since I'm independent, they can't figure out what I am. So, um, so I'm getting flyers from both parties that are, they, sometimes they won't even mention which candidate they're in favor of. The entire flyer is just demonizing the other side and I'm thinking, well, I guess at some level it must work or they wouldn't keep doing it, but it doesn't, I, it's certainly not healthy for the country. Um, and you hear the rhetoric uh, that we're hearing these days uh, about this upcoming election, the presidential election, and it's, it's absolutely frightening. It's such an either or that, um, that it's a legitimate question whether the side that loses the election is going to recognize the validity of the election or whether they're going to argue that the election shouldn't even be considered valid. And then we're in absolute chaos. It, um, so, so we're taking the either or to extremes that are threatening the, the very fabric of our nation, I believe. And I'm hearing it more and more. As you say that, I'm also thinking about the spiritual aspect and uh, warfare that is going on uh, beyond just, you know, political parties. Um, how yes. do you think that plays into uh, what the church can make it, how the church can make a difference and uh, how this thing plays out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that um, a lot of people are, are sick and tired of the political infighting. Um, the uh, congressional approval rate is uh, below 20%. I don't know what the number is right now, but it's been below 20% for a long time. So people um, have a very, very low view overall of, of Congress as a whole. Uh, they don't trust the institution. Um, and, and so uh, if, if we in the church could model having constructive, respectful conversation. So let's go back to the grace and truth thing. Um, people who were very far from God in the way that they were living were completely attracted to Jesus as a person. They flocked around him. In fact, that's one of the reasons the religious leaders um, criticized him and eventually crucified him. They called him a friend of sinners. Um, because the the sinners hung around him they they but but nowhere could they ever accurately accuse Jesus of watering down the truth he was he was very strong on truth but he was equally strong on grace so if we in the church because we have Jesus as both our savior and our leader and and lord and role model if we in the church 
could learn how to have those same kind of conversations. So whichever side of the political aisle you happen to be on, have a conversation with a person on the other side of the aisle that says, help me understand what life experience you've had that led you to this particular position on this issue or this candidate that you happen to be supporting. Why do you like them? What is it about them that's attractive? It's treating them with respect. It's assuming that they probably have some reasonable reasons for some of what they believe. We don't have to agree with all the reasons. Um, I'm not saying that the convictions don't matter. There are very significant differences between the parties, and I'm not trying to paper over those at all. But I think we'll get a whole lot further if we in the church could take the lead in having some of these conversations that are just mutually respectful. Um, it would be better for the country, and it would also get Christians out of the mud of because I, I what I see is um, people of faith slinging as much mud as some of the others, at least on social media. And I, I think it, I think it damages our witness in the country. I don't know if I answered your question, but. Um, yeah, we, we basically have to be an example. We, we need to we, be an example. We, here's, here's, uh, here's something radical as, as followers of Jesus, maybe we should follow Jesus in how he talked to people. Um, because he, the, the people that he had the hardest time with were the religious zealots. Um, he, the rest of the, of the world, he somehow managed to have conversation to where they were very, very attracted to him. So um, I would love for that to be the reputation of followers of Christ today um, too. Yeah, I'm reminded. Awesome. I'm <laughs> reminded of Peter because Peter was a super Jew. You know, he yes. he was very zealous, and it's funny because even though Jesus held him close, I mean, he was also rebuked him and said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." So, right. is when you get so so in enwrapped in an identity that's not Christ like. You know, we yes. can end up doing the devil's work, you know. Exactly. The, um, the, the devil's chief strategy is to divide and conquer. And exactly as you said, we end up doing his work. We do the dividing for him. And then, then we're all, then, then we're much weaker for it. Uh, like we talked about last week, foreign countries have figured that out. And they recognize how our hyper-partisanship is weakening us as a nation. And so they're doing all they can to fuel even more of the hyper-partisanship. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And uh, if we wake up and just be like, hold on, what's going on? You know, uh, yeah, I think this is very significant um, of us realizing and being aware of how these differences actually help us to become, you know, better, you know, instead of, you know, pointing out people's differences and, and, and talking maliciously. Um, Isaiah 58 even talks about that. You know, if you do away with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, you know, then yes. God will be your delight. And so, Amen. you know, 
Preach, my brother. Preach. <laughs> we got to get back to that. We got to get focused on, on what God is calling us to do. And, uh, you know, when you said both and, and both and, uh, you know, it reminds me of Jesus being the lion and the lamb. Um, yes. And, uh, yes. The, he's, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. The, the lion and the lamb. There's so many examples. He's full of grace and truth. There, there's just a lot of both ands that describe who Jesus is. He's fully human and he's fully divine. And it's not one or the other. It's both. And uh, there's there's just a ton of examples of, of that kind of understanding in the scriptures. And so if if we could if we could recognize that um, as a country, um, the the people who align um, Republican and the people who align democratically, especially as followers of Christ, let's start there. So the followers of Christ who are in both parties, there are reasons why they are where they are. And so um, let's be respectful of what those reasons are and see what we could learn. I long for the day that you didn't have to make um, choices between this aspect of the faith and this aspect of the faith for every candidate that you vote for. I would love to find some candidates that uphold all of it instead of just half of it. But that's because of how divided we've become um, politically and turning it into such an either or. We've, we've got to find a new way. Mm -hmm. um, and a new path forward. And unless the church is significantly involved, I don't think it's going to happen because mm. um, we have Jesus as our leader and we have him as our savior. So that's the fuel. This is hard work. Um, it's uh, another friend of mine wrote a book called No Man's Land um, using the warfare analogy between the trenches is what's called no fair, no man's land. And when you're in no man's land, there's a good chance you're going to get shot at from both sides. Well, that's, that's true. Um, this, it's going to take a lot of stamina and courage and perseverance to chart a path that says, no, I refused to demonize the opposition. Then you're going to get shot at by both sides. But, um, I, I think there's, um, uh, I think it's the path that Jesus calls us to, and uh, I'm willing to take that chance. So, And I have one more question for you. Uh, you are doing something to be in that no man's land right now. Um, can you talk about a few of the things that you are doing uh, to help bridge the gap in the community? Well, um, one, of the, one of the initiatives that um, we have helped to put forward is called pray for the USA. And the website is just pray for the USA.net. And um, it's a very clear call to prayer that I don't believe I came up with. Um, God woke me up in the middle of the night with this back about a month and a half ago. And um, it clearly was not something that, well, I believe it was not something I dreamed up on my own because I wouldn't have dreamed something like this up. I don't give myself that much credit. So um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's calling for uh, people all over the country 
to pray a couple of things about this upcoming election. First, that any voter suppression would be exposed as well as any voter fraud. Mm -hmm. So on the left, you tend to talk about voter suppression. And on the right, you tend to talk about voter fraud. Well, both of them are problems. And Mm -hmm. so we need to pray that any voter suppression or voter fraud would be exposed. And then the second prayer point is that both sides of the, the country would then accept the results of the presidential election as legitimate. Because if they don't, we're in the middle of a civil war or absolute anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, you're seeing the country pull apart um, over so many things right now that uh, the possibility of us just completely coming apart at the seams um, the day after the election just continues to grow dramatically. Mm-hmm. So Pray for the USA is asking people to pray very specifically that um, that voter suppression and voter fraud would be exposed so that we can trust that the election is legitimate and then that we would believe and accept that the election is legitimate and that somebody won and somebody lost. Now it's time to pull together as a country and rally around our leader um, like we have done throughout our history as a nation. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to do it again in about five weeks, six weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we need to figure out a way to do that again. And, uh, or else, um, I would say, or else our days are numbered as a country. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's that serious. Well, I'm, re- I'm reminded when you say that too, is, you know, Paul, I believe tells us to pray for our leaders and pray for those uh, above us so that we, we ha- can have peace and that the gospel may be advanced. Um, yes. And so um, that's why I see that spiritual warfare, that spiritual side of things is really here because there are spirits that are aggravating and uh, edging on people to do and say things that are not um, that are not helpful. I totally <laughs> believe that. Yes. And, and so I if God totally is agree. when we pray, you know, God is intervening in those those realms and in our hearts and changing hearts uh one quick story uh we was downtown uh me and aaron scott um uh, pastor to go church and we were shooting a little promo for a prayer walk and this guy comes up and he's like i love what you guys are doing here you know but i don't believe in all some of that uh jesus stuff and you know but i I like that you're being positive out here and he goes on to something about it's like you know i'm just he was just like, he was just like, I'm angry. I'm just an angry, angry person. You know, and he, he talked about, you know, just his anger, you know, and it was like, well, can we pray for you? <laughs> can, yeah. we, can we pray? It's like, is there something I could pray with you about? He was like, yeah, let, let's just pray that the love of, the, of God will be in my heart. And, Amen. That, and so we prayed for him. And uh, there was just such a peace after that. And wow. uh you know, and I think that's that's something that this the prayer part of this is so important. The spiritual aspect of this, yes. uh, people don't even know why they're angry at some points. Right. They just want to get back. They just want that that vengeance to come out. But we just need to pray, Lord, fill our hearts with love. You know, one of the books I'm reading right now talks about a culture of outrage, and so it, w- people can get swept up in that and be angry and not even sure why. So, yeah, absolutely. So 
I'm going to, uh, that's the last question. I'm going to ask you to pray for us and uh, pray for our country. Um, just Lord, yes, give us that spirit of, of love and his presence here to change yes. the outcome. So yes. would you lead us in prayer? Lord, for, uh, for those of us who know you, um, we, uh, we just pause and worship you and celebrate you and thank you, Jesus, for being full of grace and full of truth. Um, it wasn't a truthless grace that you offered, and it wasn't a graceless truth that you lived. You were full of both at all times. And boy, Lord, that is exactly what we need. That's what we need from you, and it's what our culture needs right now from us. Um, would you help us who know you to, uh, to follow in your footsteps and live like you lived and even do politics like I believe you would do politics if you were here today. You would be full of grace and full of truth at the same time. Um, that's your character. And so would you help us to do that as well? And Lord, for any who might be listening to this who don't yet know you, um, we just apologize for the ways that we've not reflected very well who you are. And we pray for an opportunity to do better so that uh, those who might be listening would come to see how full of grace, full of truth, full of love you are, and how you are the answer for, um, for every human being who's ever lived um, in, in ways that nothing else is going to fully satisfy. So um, may they be drawn to you and may we do a better job of reflecting you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. And uh, we will continue again Thursday. Sounds great. Looking <laughs> forward to it. All right, Dave. Thank you. Have a great thank day. You, sir.